What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, baby. Hello, my love. Are you ready to talk about some sex? I would love, I would love to. I would actually love to talk about that. Yeah, sweet. Well, um, me too. I, you know what? I feel like I feel like the whole world is hornier than it's ever fucking been. Um, but before we get into all that. Uh, I just want to say how excited I am to get to this week's episode mm. because we talked to um, kind of a big deal. We, we kind of have a big deal guest on this week's episode. I wonder what she's doing right now. Uh, probably <laughs> looking at a... Tutoring uh, jobs online. <laughs> Dude, no way. Are you kidding me? You, don't, you think the porn industry stopped during all this? I don't know. I mean, that's you can't. How do you make porn when you have to stay six feet apart? Well, who who is our guest, Brad? Why don't you uh, say who our guest was is is this week? 
Um, our guest this week is Holly Randall, who is a uh, kind of a big deal. Um, Los Angeles uh, pornography r- producer, writer, director, director, as- cinematographer. Um, yeah, porn. If you've watched porn on any of those major tube sites in the last uh, decade, you have 1,000% seen one of her videos, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Holly Randall, uh, this was one of those conversations that we had while we were in LA, and it was <clears throat> fucking amazing. She's awesome. Yeah, and she's, Very- she's the daughter of uh, Suze Randall, who was the first female staff photographer for Playboy and Hustler, and was like a major pioneer in the... in Super yeah. badass. Yeah. Um, but... Before we get to that, let's have a little bit of foreplay here uh, in this in this very bizarre time. Super bizarre, super bizarre. And in the words of my sister, holy fuck, the whole world is bananas right now. The whole world is bananas. It's so crazy. I so. So I, you know, I've, uh, when this all, when the shit like really hit the fan and maybe, maybe I, I don't know, maybe I even talked about this last week, but I was just doing like tons and tons of interviews, um, news interviews and other podcasts and shit like that. Because like when the, what perfect time to like hear from the, the fucking sick guy, you know, yeah, like, like you, the, like you don't get enough airtime. Yeah. Um, and, uh, one thing that I kept saying was like, I felt, I feel like I've been training for this my whole life. I, I feel like we talked about this on last week's episode, but it's been it's been now. Um, how many days have I been quarantined? I've been quarantined or like self isolated since Friday when shit week. hits the fan. So that be fr- so so Friday the seven seven Friday Saturday Sunday Monday Tuesday Wednesday. It's been fifteen. Se- wait, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve days. We're coming up on twelve days. Yeah. And this is like uh my my normal like self-isolation when I get sick is like 14 days ish, maybe a little longer on either end. Yeah. I I am fucking thriving right now, yeah. babe. I know. Every time I talk to you, I'm like you're literally the happiest and healthiest person in my sphere like that I'm in direct contact with. You know what it is? It's cuz it's cuz we're all in this together. It's cuz this like this this fucking weird bizarre time of self-isolation and like quarantine and right. like locked away from the world is is it's a collective experience. So your FOMO is totally at bay. Um yeah, I mean, maybe, but I, it's not. That's not really how I'm looking at it. I'm more so looking at it as, as in like, like we're we're all doing this weird thing together. Like we are, we are all experiencing this this super fucking weird time together. And because of that, there's there's like two camps. There's the people that still haven't quite fucking figured it out and like are at home trying to like like fucking wrap their head around how to create a routine stuck in their own home without without contact with like you know physical contact with other people and then there's the people that are like all right well 
this is fucking happening. So I'm going to, I'm going to like, I'm going to change my life to, I'm going to alter my life in ways that, that will make this, you know, doable. And seeing that online, like seeing that group of people, I'm seeing a lot of that, that side of things of people just like making the most of it. And I fucking love it. I, I love it. Like FaceTime brunches and, and fucking like happy hours and dance parties and FaceTime sex. Oh my God. The amount of people fucking online right now, it's, it's so exciting. It's such a, it's such a cool thing to experience. Now, look, I understand that this is a really shitty, scary, awful time and I'm not downplaying or like, I I fully respect that like, this is a fucked up scenario. However, I'm also refusing to get like swept up and swallowed up and consumed by the, the all, all consuming inescapable negative bad news that's being flung out there Mm. and i'm taking every fucking ounce of effort and and pushing forward to like really see the positives within this experience yeah which has been like my life's mo and i man i don't know i just like I've 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 talked to so many people in the last week that a that I don't even know, just like full long conversations with complete fucking strangers. How how do you meet these people? These strangers? I, it's like I'll, I'll put a fucking thing on Instagram and someone just like DMs me and says, you know, I was thinking, and then it's like it turns into this like ex- existential fucking conversation about existence and and life and and it's it just people just. People are just starving to connect, yeah, because they're stuck in their homes, and so it's um, I don't know. It's, I just find it so fucking cool and so mm-hmm. fascinating, you know. Yeah, yeah. I definitely feel that the the ways people, although I haven't participated in it yet, the ways that people are finding to connect and to be neighborly and to. Um, just talk to each other and like we've never been so unified as a planet before I don't think the internet it definitely seems to be a much friendlier place mm. right now you know yeah um, I, I also am I also have like fully discovered a, like a full-on brand new um, uh, I mean I wouldn't say it's a kink like a like a fetish or like a, a fantasy Okay. Um, which is is Becca and I have been doing the FaceTime uh, Sex. sexy time mm-hmm. quite a bit, and watching someone at slash telling someone how to get themselves off. Yeah. Through a screen. Yeah. Is has, I mean, maybe it's just the novelty of it right now, but like, that is so exciting right mm-hmm. now. Cool. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I'm fucking starving for physical touch though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. I'm uh, I'm kind of dying here over here. I know. I really the only the only thing so I'm not with you. Um I'm in Charlottetown. I'm in a different province. Yeah. And uh and it was a really tough decision to come here because mm. um I was so worried about you but then I also was like so scared of killing you. Oh. 
that um that even if I had stayed there like you know today with what I know today about all of this I would have been like freaking out thinking about how you know if I was there two days ago I probably would have been popping your blackheads or whatever you know Mm -hmm. I would have been very close to you and you would have been getting physical contact but I also Mm. might have been giving you something because we don't know but um I'm in Charlottetown and and I actually have limit my time online is probably about 15 minutes a day because I am my my isolation is just going back and forth between my accommodations here and my dad's and my mom and dad's house and when I'm there I'm like super engaged with what I'm doing taking care of the olds and uh it's so funny that they live together and you know they haven't been together in years and years and years and for the most part my mom just hangs out in her room anyway but um it's just the dynamics it's like I feel like my parents are living together again. Do you know isn't, what I mean? Isn't that, there's something about that though that is like so poetically romantic. Yeah, it's You know, sweet. like, because yeah. I, I mean, people don't really know your your life history, your life story, but like, um, and we don't have to get super deep into it, but I, I do I do think it's, I kind of want to like address this because I think it's so, there's something about it that is very sweet on paper, <laughs> I don't know in practice how, how sweet it is, but um, you're, you are the only child of two humans, your dad and your mom. However, your your mother had multiple children with other people and your dad had multiple children with other people. Like you, you, are a, you have 13 siblings or something like that, right? 13? Yeah. yeah. Um, 13 other siblings, but they're all half siblings because... Your mom and dad grew up Only in like a hippie commune and, and just free love and they were making kids all over the place. But but you were the only one that they made. There was no commune. Just Oh, whatever. Just stick they're, with the They're all artists. They're the all artists. That's, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Same thing. Uh, and so... <laughs> Very so, different, especially these days. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and so they had you, but they were never really truly together for for any significant period of time well it's really interesting i'm learning a lot about that's that story and and uh oh, yeah yeah and and that's been pretty neat i'm learning about it from my older sister's perspective because she would have been my dad's stepdaughter when she was like 13 12 13 years old right what 11 because she, she's 10 years older than me right so um she said my you know my dad would come and go for years and that they never really shared a room Hmm. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? That is very interesting. Yeah. It's interesting the stuff that comes out when people people are nearing end of life. Yeah, hundred percent. And then and you learn so much. For those of you who don't know, my my dad is nearing his end of life. He's he's pretty late stage um, cancer right now, and I'm just like, you know, I'm out of my thirteen siblings. I'm the one that, you know, is here who doesn't I don't live here but I'm I'm here now because you know he's in a house with my mom they're both seniors they're both vulnerable in this demographic and so I'm the one that comes and goes because I got to take care of my dad cuz I can't leave that on my mom she's just like she's just nursed her own mother for 5 years so but I'm learning a lot like and I'm really getting a lot of compassion for the 
for the people who do nurse all day mm. a loved one you know yeah. i'm lucky that i get a place to to come home to and who knows maybe i'm maybe i'm gonna be the one that fucking kills them um hope not but uh oh babe i'm 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 trying my hands are cracked like i can see cracks in my hands there i'm so close to bleeding from washing my hands so much i've been having a lot of uh like quarantine thoughts and um uh one two three of them three of them that came up the first one the very first one was i'm realizing how I am lacking in comfy pants. Comfy uh, pants. Yeah, I do not own enough comfortable pants. Uh, the second one is um, I am realizing how much being out in public and around other people um, is so it plays such a huge role in the decision of whether or not I brush my teeth. Oh, okay. Very big realization that I'm like, oh fuck, that's not good. Right I, I was now. about I to. Sh- I scold you, but I actually, it's seven o'clock PM and I have not brushed my teeth yet today. <laughs> okay. And then, and then the final one, and this is to, uh, on, to piggyback on what you were just saying is, man, I, I'm going to start a fucking hand moisturizer business. Cause like now's the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. You get up on that hand moisturizing. I mean, for two reasons, like so many people are whacking it. So, you know, need something to keep to keep things looped. And yeah, then, because no no penis would want this this, this crunchy skin hand yeah. clutched around it. No, it just wouldn't. Yeah. Nobody that's wants just, that. Yeah, that's just nasty. Yeah. Um, well, babe, I I I love you. And <sighs> I know you're going through a lot. And it's even more intense because of all this pandemic shit. But, so uh, it's okay. I'm okay. Um, I know you are. Know. I'm leveling out. I'm leveling out. Uh, the la- like getting here was just like get my feet gra- get my feet on the ground. You know. So I haven't mm. that. That's like chakra number one. I haven't gotten up to the chakra number two, which is like the sexual and the creativity. You know, all these people who are all the artists we know who are like now's the time to write your memoir. And I'm like, yeah, okay, actually. I did start a really, maybe I'll save it. I started, I started a little art project, but I'll okay. tell you, I'll tell you about right. it later. But one right. thing I did do yesterday to get grounded, I researched, I found all the places in Charlottetown that are local businesses that have mm-hmm. products that I would buy. And I created a super cohesive, like long, meal plan for both myself and my parents Mm -hmm. and ordered all my groceries online and then spent like 200 bucks which was totally i should not have but i did anyway getting like some like stuff from the root cellar which is like they do like natural food products and and Mm -hmm. like like hygiene products and stuff (laughs) like that but i purposely ordered sandalwood essential oil because yeah, is there something about that that like you're horny about that shit, aren't you? I love this smell, hmm. and and it was either that or jasmine, and I got the sandalwood instead because okay. it it because I like it. I know I like it, and some liquid coconut oil, mm-hmm. and a bath, a nightly bath has been a part of my ritual for all of this, and it makes. It makes, it's it's definitely, I think, an aphrodisiac, that smell. And it just like, 
it feels so good to give myself that kind of like massage like everywhere when I put oil like on my feet on my calves on my quads like everywhere my arms my belly and anywhere it goes it's like the ritual of essentially just giving myself a full body massage Mm. and then I smell like this aphrodisiac and I, I haven't I don't know if my my uh quarantine partner um noticed it so I'm gonna try more tonight yeah Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's that, there's the sexy time aspect, but there's also the self care part that's really important. Yeah, you know, so that's, uh, that's really, that sounds really sweet. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, do you want to, uh, do you want to move along here? We'll go, we'll go into uh, a little segment that we've started, Bride. Um, this we'll keep this one real quick, but it's, uh, I'm going to go to Ask Reddit. Um, cause oh, there's a I bunch of horny people this. on ask Reddit and they're asking all these like questions about sex all the time. Okay. So it's the, the way the segment goes is I ask you this question and then you tell me what your thoughts are. <clears throat> Do you kick your pets out of the room when you masturbate? Why or why not? Oh, am I supposed to answer? Yeah. Do you kick Bigby out? Like if you're going to, if you're going to flick no, your No, I don't. No. Nope. You just let, you let him, if he's yeah. on the bed, what if he's on the bed? Yeah, I mean, usually, I mean, Bigby doesn't like to cuddle, so he's usually far away on the bed. Rose? Far away? Dude, he's like, he's all up on your feet. But I only take up, he's a like, huge half dog. of the bed, and he's over in and a he takes the other of half. the bed. Yeah. So you just, let, you just let him hang out? Yeah, I mean, he's okay. not, as long as he's not looking at me. Yeah, what if he's looking at you? Well, no, I'd get him out of the room. Okay, so why, so what's the difference between him looking at you? And him just like sleeping, him, him just back like me. sleeping, but his whole body's jiggling as you're jiggling the bed. Uh, I don't really jiggle the bed that much. <laughs> uh, the that bed, bed is moving jiggle. a little bit if you're touching yourself, and you know that that movement, no, his body a, is slightly a, moving too. It's a solid bed. Is he's not moving? <laughs> All right. What about Rose? Would you let Rose be on the bed with you while you're? No, because. Rose, well, Rose has been around on, that has happened before, um, but no, mostly she, she tries, she's getting, she's really needy right now, so mm. she would not be, I wouldn't want her on the bed for sure, because she'd be like trying to get underneath me and. This is completely unreasonable and I fully understand that, but the reason why I kick the dog or cat out of the room when I'm doing that. In case they're wearing secret cameras? No, it's because just just in case in the off chance that they are people reincarnated. Yeah. And like like I don't know if it was like a fa- like a family member reincarnated, like I don't they would leave. They would be like, "Eh, I'm out." Yeah, maybe, but like they're they're also inside a dog's brain, you know. I yeah, don't know. just there's something about there's something about the possibility of like of of the soul of someone I once loved, like my 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 dead grandpa. I just don't want him look, watching. You know what? What? You just talked about how much you like watching other people pleasure themselves. So, like, it's kind of up to the dog 
to make up their own mind about whether they want to be there or whether they want to leave. I'm not. This, make, this is making me feel really fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta check out of this one. Um, uh, okay, do you gotta you gotta just the tips there, babe? Um, well, I think I used them, um, which were going to be like, if you can, um, uh, actually, yeah, if develop, if you can, I know it's a lot to ask anybody to do anything right now, but if you can develop either a morning or a bedtime ritual might only be like five minutes. Um, my, my personal favorite is take a hot, take a face cloth run it under hot water, wring it out, and then lay it over your face. Not so hot that you burn yourself, but lay it over your, se- your face and just put your palms over the eye, over your eyes and just do that until the face cloth cools and then repeat two more times and then do your little cleansing face or whatever, splash cold water, but a hot face cloth on your face at the end of the day, it just makes all your facial muscles soften. Okay, I like that. Yeah, that's good. Good in time in times like this. Yeah, um, I have one before. Before actually, you know, what? I'm gonna let. Um, I am going to read a text that actually just came in about 20 minutes ago. Uh, this is my just the tips. So this was going to be my just the tips, and then I got a text from a friend of ours named Jen, who you know, Bridie, very well. Um, and the text said. <laughs> Oh my God, this first track on Childish, Childish Gambino, oming to my soul, that deep down bass on my root chakra, I'll never recover. This is goodbye. And then I, <laughs> and then I, didn't, I didn't respond, obviously, because we're recording. And then she follows that up with, in, in brackets, are you sex timing? <laughs> sex, why sex timing. Sex timing. Hey, is that, a, is that this week's title? Hashtag, yeah. All right, hashtag sex timing. Um, Yo, that new Childish Gambino album. Listen, folks, I don't give a fuck what kind of music you listen to. In times like this, we are in dire need of music that makes us physically get up and move our bodies around without control as if we had just turned into a fucking zombie and we are no longer in control of our physical body. And this album, track fucking one to track the last track does that so well. It's it is like it is as if Prince was born in the eighties and then waited until March of twenty twenty to release an album. That's what this album sounds like. Okay. It is fucking so good. Uh it dropped yesterday. And yesterday, we're recording this uh, Tuesday, March 24th, so it dropped this Monday. Um, go listen to that shit, because holy smokes, it is, it's something else. I really what, love it. What's the name of the album? It's called, um, it's got, it's just like numbers. I haven't, I'm not, I haven't gotten. Oh, that yeah, 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 yeah. It's called yeah. 3 15, 20, so. Um, like March 15th? March 15th. 2020? 20. Yeah. I like that. <clears throat> yeah, it's, holy shit, man. He is, uh, he's a talented mofo. He sure is. I think he is <clears throat> Oh, he's sexy so as fuck, too. hot. It's crazy. It's I, when crazy. When we saw him at Oceaga this year, I was like, I, we were standing maybe 15 feet from him, and I was like, I, ugh, it was... It was steamy? Yeah. 
Yeah, my dick moved for sure. <laughs> you know what? It's really all, I mean, obviously incredibly talented, very funny, mm-hmm. but it's the dancing. Oh my God. The way he moves. Yeah, the way awesome. he moves his body is insane. Did you watch the, did you watch the, mo- the movie that he did with Rihanna? Yeah. I didn't watch it yet. I've been yeah. saving it for, uh, for, for a time like this. Yeah. Cool. Let me know what you think. I have seen it. It's, it's interesting. It's cool. All right. Do you want to hit this brain boner, or do you, or do you want to hit this brain boner, or do you want to wait? We're, we're we might like, as well wait. We might as well save it. Uh, we're thirty minutes in. It's a chunky in. one. Yeah, it's a chunky yeah. one. Let's get let's get to the episode. Let's go right into Holly Randall. Okay. Um, this week, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else, all people included. Um, I, sorry, I, I say ladies and gentlemen so much, and and it's been pointed out to me that I do that. Yeah. Um, and I I realize how non inclusive that is. So yeah. whenever I say it, I always try to catch myself. That's uh, how you change your brain, baby. All right, folks. Um, this week, we are talking to a uh, an absolute um, an absolute game changer in the world of pornography. Um, it is a very interesting conversation. Uh, I feel very grateful that Holly took the time to sit down and shoot the shit with us. Um, I really hope we can have her on the show again next time we're down in the States. Um, and if you, uh, if you dig this episode, let us know your thoughts. Send us an email. Hit us up on Instagram at Turn Me On Podcast. Um, and, and listen, folks, um, times are weird. Everybody's losing their fucking job. Artists are freaking the fuck out right now. And that includes uh, Brady and myself. Um, and, and I know, like I said, this is a collective issue. We're all going through this, but if you are one of those people out there who, uh, who feels pretty secure, feels like they're doing, uh, all right right now. And you listen to our show and, and we provide you some entertainment through these dark days and you feel like there's just even the slightest amount that you can, um, that you can spare to support the art that you love, head on over to patreon.com slash um, it would mean the absolute world to us. And to those of you who have um, pledged um, on our Patreon over the past like week, especially, but you know, anytime, um, th- thank you so much. Is really moving. I've had a couple mm-hmm. notifications: one today, one yesterday. Paul, Kelly, um, Chelsea, the week before, and uh, and it really. It like almost moved me to tears. It's just like so incredibly kind and generous. And, um, and there's other shout outs that we, that, that also came in, um, then this new year Gord and Patrick, thank you so much. And, uh, I swear once things do calm down a little bit in terms of my routine and, um, and, and getting here in this new place and getting used to isolation and, and everything, I'm gonna, I'm going to send you some fucking postcards. I'm going to write you some letters because um, that's what I love to do. I love writing letters. And if you're Mm -hmm. a patron out there, I will need your mailing address. So Mm -hmm. you're going to have to go ahead and and send me that information. Uh, All right, folks. I hope you enjoy this week's episode as much as we did. We love each and every one of you. And stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Stay safe in there. Wash your sex toys. Uh, in there, yeah, stay, in stay the safe house. in there. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, oh, and you know what? One one more thing before we throw it to this week's episode. Uh, if you are looking to get some sex toys, um, and you are living in Canada, uh, 
you know, you could do the pink cherry or whatever the fuck that thing is, or you could support uh, a really wonderful Canadian company that is doing great work in the community here in Halifax, but also in Ottawa. Uh, go to Venus Envy, uh, check out their website. They some some of their um, items they deliver free in Canada, so uh, go check them out if you're looking to to you know stock up in these boring boring ass long days. And you need something to get yourself off to? Uh, head on over there and see what you can see what you can hook up. Uh, all right, love you, babe. Love you, love you guys. And, and I miss you. And uh, and I'll see you. I'll see you soon. Yeah, see you soon. Well, this is really exciting uh, because I think since we started this show three years ago, um, we've had like a, we've had a list of of people uh, or topics that we've always wanted to like dive headfirst into, um, and like slowly we've been checking off these these people or these members in, in certain communities, and this is the first time that we're that we're actually going to sit down and talk to someone who is who works in the the porn industry at large i mean we've spoken to a lot of sex workers and like you know a lot of like cam girls and stuff like this um rose (laughs) um uh rose is also a character that is on our podcast quite a bit um but this is the first time we're gonna actually speak to someone in the in the porn industry here in la which is very fucking exciting. You keep saying porn, but do, is the preference adult? Oh, um, I'm not pretentious like that. You can call it whatever you want. The the smut industry. Yeah, uh, whatever the, whatever you want. <laughs> smut peddler. I'm I'm whatever you want to call me. I'm good. Uh, is it Holly Randall or Holly Randall? It's Holly Randall. Okay, good. Randall. Yeah, I don't know why, but I, I've never. Maybe if I was like some, <laughs> if I you know was some English lord, you could call me Holly Randall. Randall. Um, why don't you give uh, our listeners a little rundown of, of who you are and, and what your what your association is with, with the, the, the smut industry? Sure. So I'm an, if I want to give myself like a, you know, fancy little pretentious title, I'm an erotic photographer, director, and producer. I also have a podcast um, about the adult industry. I am, I'm in a unique position that I am a woman who works behind the scenes in the industry, though thankfully there's a lot more of us now. But I also grew up around the industry. My mother is Suze Randall, who was definitely one of the first women who worked in porn behind the camera. Um, in a big deal, like a big way. Yeah. Like in the a big first, w- the first, uh, she was the first female staff photographer at Playboy. Yeah. And I think at Hustler as well, actually, come to think about it. Mm-hmm. So she definitely was working in a world that was dominated by men back in the 70s and the 80s. So she really was like the only woman in a boys club. Uh, today, it's so much different. There's, you know, I mean, if you look at all the directors who've been nominated this year for the AVN Awards for Best Director, it's like mostly women. Mm-hmm. So it's a much different place today. But she, she, you know, she kind of started it all. Was that something, you, how, how young were you when you, when you were like, Mom, Dad, what do you guys do for a living? 
So I never had, there was never that question. It never, my parents never hid what they did from me. They certainly didn't flaunt it or, you know, bring home their work and like show me, but it was just something that I always knew. They were never dishonest about it. Um, I just knew that what my parents did was for grownups and it wasn't appropriate for children. And then when I was older, I could look at it. And when you're a kid, you don't really care about what your parents do for a living. You know what I mean? It's not really that important. Once yeah, I hit puberty, I became a little bit more interested, of like, course. Were you one of those kids where your parents, you know, you, you meet a friend and they're like, what do your parents do? And you're like, I, I don't know, mom, she's like a photographer of some sort. Uh, yeah. It's nudity. It's a porn. I don't know, whatever. No, exactly. So that was really the only... That was the only um, time that I ever kind of ran into issue was explaining to other people what my parents did for a right. living. It was never like a sense of shame for me or for my siblings, but it was what the outside world would think. So we did have a game plan about what we would say. My right, mom right. was a photographer mostly. She did direct some movies, but mostly she was a photographer. And she actually did do some mainstream stuff. Like she shot... Um, a cover album for Robert Palmer. It was like the follow-up album after his big one, so it wasn't the one that like everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, had done some other like she shot for like some swimsuit catalog. So I could reference those things, right? And then just you know hope that they would just leave it at that. How did how did she get into into the porn industry? Like what what was what what was it that drew her to you know become the the first female photographer for playboy or hustler so she was in london and she was modeling my mom's english and she ended up getting a layout in vogue she was published in vogue magazine and she was really excited and she took the money and she went to bond street and bought herself a camera and she started shooting just like behind the scenes photos of her other model girlfriends like at runway shows and she actually started selling them to the Sun newspaper. Um, page three, if you're like a page three girl, the Sun newspaper, it's like a big deal. So my mom was selling photos that way. What is that? Bridie, you, you know what that is. What is page three? So when I was 13 years old, I moved from Kensington, Prince Edward Island, population 1500, to Kensington, uh, in West Kensington in London, to England to live with my mother. And I... I had never seen a person of color. I had never, uh, and never really seen any erotic photography whatsoever. I had the joy of sex. My parents had it, but, um, but the page three girl in sun was like, well, like is a thing every week. It was a different girl or every day. I can't remember a different girl, usually scantily clad in some way, but it was like, the Miss Kensington pageant, but it was like the sun paper. That's how I interpreted it. I was like, who are these babes? It was kind of like being a Maxim cover girl or something like that. Interesting. Yeah, it was a big deal. Cool. Okay. So she was doing that. And then she ended up photographing this woman named Lillian Mueller, who um, was really beautiful. And my mom sent her pictures to Playboy and Hefner really liked her. 
And he was like, yes, we love this Lillian Mueller and we want to fly her out. We want to shoot her. And my mom was like, "Mm -mm, she's my girl. You're going to fly me out too. And I'm going to shoot her. And he's like, who are you? Um, You know, I'm Hugh Hefner. This is Playboy magazine. You are a nobody. You have no experience. We're not flying you out. Like, we're going to have one of our staff photographers shoot her. My mom goes, okay, well, then I'm going to sell her pictures to Penthouse. So he went, okay. (laughs) So he flew them both out. My mom shot Lillian, and uh, Lillian became Playmate of the Year, 1975, I believe. And my mom just kind of charmed her way in, and she started shooting for Playboy, and she became, um, wow. yeah, staff photographer there. Did you realize that your mother was like a babe when you were growing up? You, you know, it's funny that you say that because I actually used to get her confused with both Marilyn Monroe and Madonna. <laughs> I thought they were all the same person. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen the three of them in the same room together? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I would see like when I, obviously when I was very young, um, I would see like pictures of Marilyn Monroe or Madonna who was, you know, had that look at the time. And I thought it was my mom. Short, curly blonde hair. But yeah, she was she was hot um, when she was young, for sure. You ended up in the same both my parents are actors. I went to acting school. It was just, I didn't realize there was anything else to do. So did you feel at any point in your coming up of like, I'm not going to, I'm going to rebel against my parents and go into like accounting. That it's so funny you say that because my mom used to always joke that she hoped that's what I would do. She was like, children are supposed to rebel against their parents. You're supposed to go like become a doctor or something like, you know what I mean? She resisted me coming into the porn industry just a little bit when at the beginning. So ultimately, I think what my mom wanted for me was um, she wanted me to become a writer because that was the other thing that I was really passionate about before um, I got into photography and, and during that whole time. And my father was a writer. So my, the reason that my mom even started modeling, because she was a nurse first, was to make money support my dad's writing career. And then that ended up translating into Playboy and then you know her career took off. And my dad's writing career never did. Uh, but so I think she hoped that I would like take up the mantle that my father had kind of not continued mm. with. Um, but that's not what happened. So she never really encouraged me to do photography. It was just something that I picked up on my own. How did you get into it? Like, what was the catalyst for you to start to start doing it? And specifically in the like the adult the adult industry. Well, photography itself, I became obsessed with um, at an early age. I was always like obsessed with images. Um, and then when I was in the 12th grade, I had like an elective. And so, you know, I thought, oh, I'll take photography. You know, that sounds like something kind of fun. And I just remember, I remember so distinctly this moment. I was kind of um, a loner when I was a kid. I didn't have a lot of friends. I wasn't very popular. And I remember developing my first print in the dark room because back then we shot on film because digital did not exist. Right. And I remember sliding my print into the developing tray and that image emerging onto the paper and me having this moment, this epiphany where I was like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. It was just like, there's, there's been nothing in my life that I've been sure about except for that one thing that photography wow. was going to be something that I was going to do for the rest of my life. Isn't that the, fucking best feeling it, it is great yeah. um it is like been the only constant everything else like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing but that that's like the one thing i was sure about so you know ever since then i just photography was everything it was my life I, I did it all the time i was like the head photographer at my yearbook at 
high school, like all that stuff. Um, I did not think I was going to end up in the adult space. Right. I thought I was going to become like a fashion photographer yeah. or something like that. Because because you know I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a number of photographers listening to this right now, and they're going, "That's a big step from you know from like do you, do you remember what that one photo was that that moment? Oh yeah, I think it was just like a building like a house or something like that you know i think it was like one of like the first lessons that they give you like Mm -hmm. learning about the rule of thirds or framing or something Mm -hmm. like that it wasn't something particularly interesting but it was just something about what i've always loved about photography is that it gives you the opportunity to freeze a moment in time and i have this weird issue with the passing of time and like the fear of death and all this kind of stuff and and fomo and all of that so there's something about photography about freezing this moment in time that will never ever come back and and holding on to and capturing that memory that really appeals to me turn me on we'll be right back after this word from our sponsors 
he knows he's doing this, but everybody around him, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, a lot of like, it's what's going on in the town. It's like the firefighters putting out a fire or some kid playing with its toy on, you know, on the sidewalk. And it totally shifted the way I, I, I took in photography in that moment. I hope, I hope that fucking exists every time I look at photos now, because it was, it was, it was a really like profound moment of seeing that art for what it is. Um, and I don't know where I'm going with that other than you just said that and reminded me of these photos I was looking at. Uh, but again, how did, how did you take that step from going, all right, I'm taking photos of like a brick or like some buildings to I'm taking photos of two people passionately having sex or someone masturbating or what have you. So I was going to, so I finished high school I moved to Santa Barbara and I started going to Brooks Institute of Photography and I was going there and I didn't really like it. It's a very structured school. It's, um, it's kind of stuffy and you know, we were just learning, I guess all the things that you learn in photography school that are terribly dull, like how to mount prints onto like archival whiteboard and, and uh, <laughs> this is stuff that like I just didn't care about. And my parents had just launched Suze.net. So the, it was the very beginning of the internet, right? So this is like 98. And so my parents launched their website, Suze.net. And they launched their... Suze.net, I think... I, I got to actually check, check these facts, but it's a month after or a month before Google launched. Whoa. So that Yeah, I know, right? So it's like back then, like the beginning. And because my mom was already so well-known as a photographer and because she was one of the few people that owned most of her content her website just blew up and this is back before video was really a thing download speeds were really slow so like nobody was putting video up you know and so pictures were the thing yeah you're getting that picture and it's going like yeah it's like forever but it's still like you know what i mean it's like the one thing and um and they were just killing it and they kind of didn't know what to do you know they didn't know like what they were doing um i remember we hired a graphic designer who took two weeks to make a banner and they thought that was normal. You know right, what I mean? Right. <laughs> it was just like, cause just no clue. So they, and I really wasn't feeling it at Brooks. And so my dad asked me, you know, would you consider coming back to LA and like helping us on, work on the website? Like, would you like, you know, do some kind of office stuff? Cause we're just drowning. And I was like, okay. And I had er actually, before I went to Brooks, I had gone to Santa Barbara City College with the idea to finish up at UCSB and get a degree in world literature or English. I was going to become like an English teacher because I just felt safer than being a photographer and trying to make it in the arts. And so um, I was like, okay. So I came back and I started going to UCLA just to finish up that degree because just because I wanted a college degree. And I still didn't think that I was going to end up like working in porn. I just thought like, I'll help my parents out for a little bit while I figure out what I'm going to do and finish school. And I just found that it was a really good fit for me. And I think the time, the timing was perfect because the internet allowed my parents a freedom that they never had before because suddenly they had a platform where they could sell their content independently to people. We didn't have to sell it to a magazine who had certain specifications mm. that they need needed or like, you know, create a, a video for a distributor that was going to send out. There was suddenly like the middleman was gone and you could sell directly to your consumers. And so we were able to create anything we wanted 
and it was really cool it was like as long as the people got naked in the end and had sex like we could come up with these really cool fantastical ideas you know we'd start and be like okay what do we want to do this week let's do like a 1920s like gangster shoot you know and right. like rent an old car yeah. or let's do some bright kind of poppy futuristic shoot like anything we wanted and we were making so much money and we had a stylist and a set designer i mean it was fucking cool yeah and from like a creative standpoint that's just like from a creative f- standpoint it was so yeah much fun. it's your sandbox like you can do whatever the fuck you want yeah wow. and the people were so cool and you know i i i admit i grew up in what i call like the Sue's bubble you know my mom was very careful about who worked in her crew um she was very specific about how the models were to be treated and you know she was shooting very high-end content so it was all like we kind of shot the best of the best and everything was beautiful and well lit and the best makeup and the best clothes so like it never felt dirty or scummy in any way it felt like beautiful and erotic and artistic And so that was the experience that I had coming into the industry and I just really enjoyed it. And so I just stayed. Did the, did, you know, coming into it with that mindset and, you know, the way your mom sort of had it set up, like, did that inform the rest of your career in in terms of like the quality, the, the, you know, of the content, the, the, the people that you're surrounding yourself with, the people that you work with? Absolutely. Everything that I do and every which way in which I conduct myself is what I learned from my mom. One of the things that my mom taught me is that the model is the most important person there. You know, you need to make sure that she's comfortable, that she's fed, that she's like, she feels sexy. She looks good. She feels heard. Like she's respected. My mom was very, very passionate about that. And also too, just having a really you know, great crew. Like I'm really picky about who works on my sets. Like everybody's really respectful, hardworking, you know, fun. Like our sets are fun and they're great people. And, um, and you know, it has to be beautiful and it has to be, it has to feel glamorous and it has to feel like sexy and it has to feel safe. That's also really important. We heard that in our last conversation. Someone was talking about intimacy coordinators in film and being like, and said, that safe is sexy and uh i'm wondering your mom sounds like she was really ahead of her time in terms of that and was it what was it like in your house growing up with your own sexuality never mind your art but um i mean my parents were always you know again really open they were like hippies and um you know they i don't know there was no like they were there was no I was I did not grow up with a sense of shame around my sexuality or around sex. My mom always said to me, you know, the woman's body is a beautiful thing. It's a work of art. It's nothing to be ashamed of. So, I mean, I don't I don't actually remember my parents sitting down and like talking to me about sex, and I think that that was maybe one place that they they could have done a little bit better at. They could have maybe educated me a bit. I mean, I learned things through school and through friends, but I don't know. It never felt like a weird taboo subject. It never felt, like I said, shameful. It was just something. It didn't feel like this huge obstacle that needed to be broached because it was never set up that way. You know, like how a lot of parents, a lot of families, like sex is this taboo subject. It's a scary thing to talk about. It's a scary thing to admit exists. So like, 
once that moment comes where you have to finally be like, okay, like we have to acknowledge to our children that there's sex in the world. Like we never had that moment because it was just always there. Yeah. It's so many people we talk about today are like learning so many kids learning about sex from porn. That's like a big topic of conversation. And I just, I wonder, um, yeah, just your thoughts on, on that, considering you, you came up in an environment where the female body was viewed in this way and, and the subject matter was sexual. Like, do you feel like you've been able to bring that into the art you're creating like a like a do you do you think it's educational of of healthy sex or like it's a it's a good model of like people can look at this and or view this and feel like um they're seeing something unique out of out of the I don't exactly know what I'm trying to ask but well well like it, the part of the big part of the conversation I think is that we hear it all the fucking time of like, you know, the thing that's wrong with the world today is that like people, people get their sex education from porn, you know? And like, what are your thoughts on that? On that, that notion that like porn is like the, is, is not the greatest, uh, uh, sex ed teacher that you never had, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, so here's, here's like one thing is that people say porn and they just, put this kind of blank statement like all porn is the same all porn is not the same there's so many different kinds of porn it's like saying like well how do you feel about like kids learning about life from movies like just move Mm -hmm. like there's different kinds of movies there's like documentaries yeah yeah Yeah, like what are we talking about because there's (laughs) all different kinds of porn i think the things that people think about is they think about the more like rough porn that's what because you know people automatically have this negative bias and assumption towards what porn is so they automatically think of like whatever looks like women are being victimized and degraded and abused that's what porn is right Mm -hmm. because that's like where everybody's mind goes to so um i think that in most cases it's it's probably it's not a good thing because they're not getting any context out of seeing that you know you can see for example like a bdsm scene and you can think like oh my god that looks so horrible the girl looks like she's in pain it looks like they've tied her down she can't go anywhere like this is abuse those of us in the industry understand that responsibly made bdsm is done under like very strict parameters and that there's a safe space and that these people engage in this kind of power exchange because it's a kink that they're into and Mm -hmm. all boundaries are discussed beforehand. There are safe words. Like, I mean, if any, if anything like companies like kink, like they are so diligent about, they have like a checklist of your yeses and your noes. They usually do a, an interview before the scene and after the scene with the performers saying like, this is what we're going to do today. How do you feel about it? And then afterwards, how was your experience? So, you know, you see that whole process. But if you're a kid who's just watching porn for free, like on Pornhub, and you don't, and you see these scenes out of context, and you think like, that's what sex is, that's what all sex should be like, that's terrible. Right. So really, I mean, ultimately, it's the responsibility of the parents to educate their children or to make sure that their kids get sex education. And the problem is, is that 
the internet has removed that barrier between kids and porn. Yeah, and for the parents to to know that, for the parents, right. or at least for the everyone fucking knows that, for the parents to accept that right. and like make that a part of their their the education that they are going to, that they should be giving their child, which is like you know that the internet exists. So if you don't do if you're passive and don't do anything, then what the fuck do you expect? And there are ways to you know. Every every responsible porn site has um, ways that you can like block that content from your child's computer yeah. or phone or what you know they got like net nanny and stuff like that. So there are ways to try to prevent your children from seeing that. Now, of course, you can't be responsible for you know if your kid goes to their friend's house and their parents haven't been diligent about it and they can access porn there. I mean, kids are very resourceful; they can find. You know, porn pretty much anywhere. So I just think it really speaks to the fact that, you know, we as a society need to start talking about how we need to talk about sex more with our children. I mean, the sex education in this country, in the United States, is abysmal. It's not great in Canada either. Yeah, it's just absolutely terrible, you know, and they still have this whole like, you know, teaching kids abstinence and I mean, just completely unrealistic standards and i think we just need to accept that the world is changing that these things are out there and you know those of us who produce porn none of us produce porn wanting children to view it like that we don't want that that is not something that we're after but like we can't control if they can access it um i mean yes there are things that we can do to control it, and we do the best that we can but you know ultimately a lot of times kids are going to find it. So I think yeah. I, I think it's a, a two-parter. I think that the adult industry, I think that there are measures that, um, you know, people can take to try to prevent easy accessibility of kids to porn um, and also, you know, the parents and schools giving, teaching sex education. Um, coming up, like, you know, growing up as the person who sexuality was like kind of just a normalized thing because of, because of your upbringing, did you find that you were like the peer or the friend that like a lot of people came to with their, their sex questions or, you know, like with the people that you surrounded yourself with, did they have different views on sex? Like, were you the outlier there? No, actually it was funny. I was like the last girl out of all my friends to like lose her virginity like all my friends lost their virginity before me um i was kind of behind in all of that uh no nobody really i don't think that i really knew more than other people did like i think i had less shame around sexuality maybe but also too you know i mean i went to some pretty liberal schools right um so i wasn't really going to you know a catholic school where people were like you know, there's a lot of shame around sex and, and, and parents were really strict about that kind of thing. So I think I just, you know, I, I don't recall being considered an expert in really in any way. Sure. Right, right, right. Um, so you like, I mean, you've been you've been involved in the porn industry for a while now. Um, and it's it's obviously taken you know, a lot like the music industry and and film and television, like it's it has evolved and changed quite a bit since since I started jerking off to porn. Uh how how like what has that been like that that evolution of porn and like with the you know the way that the internet has evolved and and things like things like the porn hubs and and the like the porn tube sites. 
Um, what has that What has that been like for someone who's in the industry, who's someone who's behind the the scenes? Oh my god, it's so crazy! It's like the roller coaster that I've witnessed has been amazing. So when I first started in the industry, as you know, um, the internet kind of just started, right? Yeah. So this whole like behemoth was just beginning, and. It, there is a lot there's been a lot of fluxes since then so the first thing that kind of happened was now people could access any kind of content that they wanted right so there was this real push towards like super super hardcore stuff because before the internet came along there were laws that prevented you from distributing certain kinds of content in certain kinds of states my first job ever like first you know high school job was uh, I I worked at a at a porn store. Mm. I I faked my age, walked in, gave them a a, a resume, and I just, like dressed in a suit. It was fucking <laughs> so stupid. And then and they called me immediately that day. Um, and I remember I remember like I remember going in there and being like, "Do we sell like animal porn?" And they were like, "What the fuck? No, dude. Like, no. There's that's there's laws." You're like, like I'm quitting. <laughs> yeah, get me out of here. Um, but yeah, yeah, I remember like there there was yeah you can't you couldn't distribute that stuff like that the the like and- yeah I mean that ultimately is like overall illegal. But what I'm talking about is like anal yeah versus right. like vaginal. So like right. there's certain states in the United States where like sodomy is illegal. So you can't. So is that still I, a thing? I think so. I think there might be like one or two, but you definitely Whoa. couldn't distribute like certain uh, DVDs or certain like DVDs that had anal. They couldn't go to certain states. They could only be sold in very specific states. Is this also why like like piss play was like like titled water sports? Is it was that like was that like kind of a thing where like we can't be showing people like like piss kinks? Yeah, yeah, like. So we just call it water sports and that like, can I get away with that sort of thing? Um, Maybe I'm, I'm making that up. No, yeah. I don't know that like you can hide what the content is by naming it something different. <laughs> yeah, right. Because right. people are going to watch it and be like, that's peeing. That's peeing, yeah. Um, no, it's squirt. So, well, actually, yeah, you could argue it's squirt. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. God, good luck arguing that in court. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there, there's just different, like, you know, the obscenity laws are different in every state. Right. So you so certain people couldn't get access to certain things. So the magazines specifically were um, very tame at the time. So when my mom was shooting for the magazines before the internet came along, there actually wasn't any penetration, and that was and, and Canada actually had stricter rules. Yeah. Um, in terms of what they could, so they had to make a different version for Canada than they did for the United States, and so the magazines were always pretty soft core. Like the guy's penis could never actually be like fully erect and pointing like directly at the vagina. It had to be like at a forty-five degree angle, like kind of pointing towards the floor, which like makes no sense. It had to be covered in a toque. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, right. so it was, and then obviously when the internet came along, you know people weren't buying as many magazines. So the magazines were like, never mind, we can put it in everything, who cares? But so anyways, so what I'm saying is that people could suddenly see whatever they wanted. And so like this push for harder and harder content came along. And so we got into this situation where people were just shooting like ridiculous shit, like what I call like the porn Olympics. You know, how many baseball bats can you stick up your ass? Like how many guys can you have sex with at Mm -hmm. once? Um, So it just got like kind of crazy and it got really hardcore. And I remember we kind of felt like we were in a crisis because, you know, the people that were doing really well were like the evil angels of the world, you know, really 
intense stuff. And we were like, that's not our style. That's not what we do. Do we have to do that? And I remember thinking like, I don't really want to do this if I have to start shooting this really like intense, hardcore stuff. Not that I have anything against that stuff. Like if you're into it and you know, like more power to you, like everybody's got their thing, but I just personally didn't want to shoot that kind of stuff. And so, um, so I kind of felt like, Oh God, where, what are we going to do? You know, like everything's just getting so hardcore. Like I just want to shoot like pretty porn. Like why can't I just do that? And then that kind of changed. And then it came back to like more cinematic, beautiful, intimate, um, porn. And that's what we're seeing like a big surgence of now. And I think a lot of that centers around the fact that people are actually starting to recognize that women like porn as well. Mm. And that there is a market for women because we've, there's been a lot of like talk about porn for women, you know, and everybody's kind of tried to do porn for women and like just failed miserably in the past because it's just not generally like your main audience. But now it's become um, something that just seems a lot more attainable. I think a lot more women are, are open to talking about their sexuality or open to admitting that they might enjoy watching porn. And so people are catering to that. And so we're seeing like a whole different kind of porn come along a lot more features with really like interesting storylines and like great acting. Um, so it's really shifted and it's, um, I think honestly right now, like we're, we're producing some of the best content that porn has mm. ever seen. Who's, who's doing it really well? Like who, who are some people out there creating stuff that you were like, fuck yeah, you're, you were rocking it. Uh, Caden Cross, Brie Mills, um, Jackie St. James is all, it's all women. <laughs> Go figure. Um, yeah. There's just been like some really amazing stuff. I mean, if you watch, it's funny because I was actually showing my parents some of these movies the other day because, you know, when they shot porn, it was like in the late seventies and it was just terrible, cheesy, awful stuff. Right. And my mom was like, this looks like a real movie. Like this is porn. I'm like, this is porn. This is porn today. And like these storylines have meaning and they have weight. I remember the first time I watched a scene and it moved me emotionally. Like I almost cried. It was just like, this is porn. And I feel like, you know, and it's become this kind of platform that people are using to talk about like social issues and like the importance of like female sexuality and, 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 you know, how we feel about our bodies. Like the weight of infidelity is a scene that I kind of always refer to. Have you guys seen that? The weight of infidelity? The weight of infidelity. So it was actually written by Angela White and it stars her and Carla Lane, who's a BBW performer. And it's about Angela White plays... Angela White, uh, Australian? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She plays... Um, a girl who struggles with her weight and struggles with her body image. And she's this kind of controlling boyfriend who's played by Tommy Pistol, who's constantly like telling her, you shouldn't like eat that ice cream. You should work out more. You don't want to get fat because then I'll find you unattractive, like that whole kind of thing. And then she finds out that he's cheating on her with Carla Lane, who's a BBW performer. And the control that he has over Angela, which is reflected in his like food restrictions on her, is actually he exhibits control over Carla, but in a different way where he feeds her. So there's a whole like fetish um, about feeding people like a, um, like gainer feeder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Feeder porn. And so like, he's trying to get her to gain more weight. So he's trying to control her 
through the opposite way, but it's still about control. And he's like having sex with her and feeding her. And then Angela catches them and she like freaks out and she's this whole moment. She's like, aren't I good enough? I've been trying so hard to look beautiful for you. I'm not skinny enough, but then like, aren't like, why am I not good enough as I am? And like, that really spoke to me as a woman, you know, who's like obsessed with body image and weight, like almost all of us are. And I was just like, this is, and I felt like this is a pivotal moment in our time where, you know, we're, we're making scenes like this and this, like, this matters and this speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Was this uh was it, was this a, like a feature? Like the, yeah, it was a feature ad. It was for Gamma. Okay. Um, I think it's for pure taboo specifically. Okay. So it, is it on her website or, or would you get it? Through? No, if it, you just, you... um, I believe they actually, um, have the scene for free for people to watch because oh, no it's way. such an important Sweet. scene. Like they got a lot of mainstream media. If you just Google like the weight of infidelity, yeah. Angela White, I think it, it'll come up and I think you can watch the scene for free. Uh, I'm really curious as a, um, like a amateur filmmaker myself what is it like because when I go to make films or help someone make films I'm like okay let's sit down and write grants and and try to get funding and then the whole production manage management of that like how do how does porn get fun how do pornographic films get funded and and like how I don't do you know the difference but or, or is there any difference between like producing a a non-pornographic film to producing a pornographic film? Well, the porn films are generally just produced by like the big corporations that now pretty much own porn. There's like three big companies that um, produce most of the porn and that's MindGeek who owns Pornhub, Brazzers, Digital Playground, Twisties, Reality Kings, Mofos and some others. And then there's Gamma, who owns Pure Taboo, Girls Way, um, Adult Time, uh, Burning Angel, and some others, I think. And then there's Vixen Media Group, who owns Vixen, Blacked, Tushy. And those are kind of like the three big ones. Are they newer? Um, like blacked and tushy. Yes, and that like, is new. Like that, yeah, they, for sure. Yeah, and they yes. like they fucking made a scene. Like they, yeah. They, they came onto the scene hard They and poured fast. an enormous amount of money into their productions. And yeah. nobody can figure out where they're getting that money yeah. from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's just like, Because the a production lot. value is high. It's insane. High, high, high. It's insane. Yeah, crazy. Like high, like jumping out of an airplane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it just... Uh, it's, they it, did do a shoot of Tory Black in a helicopter, just promo photos. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, and they yeah. did like... Yeah. Do that eight times. They did like go up in the helicopter like eight different times. It's just like it's like locations and like you know that I mean they're clearly being shot on like you know four K. Like it's it just it, the lighting like everything about it is just very just the high quality looking yeah stuff yeah. yeah. Um, I've always been interested in the sex work industry, whether it's like camming, um, escorting, uh, and into like adult film acting what from your perspective um you know i've I've watched a couple of documentaries about like uh girls young girls getting into porn and and it usually uh shows it from the perspective of like here are the pitfalls and here are the things that these women have to deal with and it's really hard these days to make a living as a like an actress in this in this uh industry and and a lot of young women come to it thinking they're gonna that they're going to be able to make some money at it from your perspective. What is, 
what's it like to be like a, a full-time um, performer? So that has changed so much over the last, like, I swear to God, like two years. Yeah. So there was a time when there, there, like I said, it's been a roller coaster ride, right? So kind of when the internet came along and there was this big explosion of production companies and everybody was making content because suddenly like, you know, before, like I said, you had to have a distributor to distribute your films, right? So you had to know somebody who's going to pay, give you money, and who's going to like burn it onto DVD to make the masters and send them to the stores and sell them to some, you know what I mean? And then when the internet came along, like literally all you needed to do was to like pay for a server and like get some kind of, you know, CMS and then anybody could put up a porn site, like anybody could do it. And so everybody was doing it. And a lot of um, girls came into the industry and then it just like kind of got too big. And then it just like exploded, like, sorry, not exploded, imploded. And all of a sudden, a lot of these people started going out of business and there was less and less work. It's kind of back on the rise again. So not only is there more work and more content being produced now than there has been in a while, but also to these new independent monetization platforms for models have skyrocketed recently. So obviously there's camming, right? So that's a that really great way that for girls to make extra money. And again, it takes the middleman out. You know, these girls can now correct, connect directly with their fans. They can establish like these online relationships with them. And um, in a world where I think that people really lack connection, with other people and there's a lot of lonely people out there. It's a strange thing about the internet. It's connected us all, but it's also disconnected us all. Um, there's a lot of people who are really seeking that kind of virtual relationship with, you know, beautiful young women. So there's camming. There's also like private Snapchats. People are making a f- insane amount of money on that. And then like OnlyFans, which is kind of like a, like a paid Twitter situation a lot of girls are making a lot of money on that too so actually now models have never been more empowered than they are right now girls have never made more money than they are right now I mean it's actually almost become a bit of an issue for us producers because a lot of the top girls are not working as much anymore because they don't have to they're making a hundred thousand dollars a month on their private snapchat and I'm not exaggerating when I say that like some of the top girls, when they really hustle, will make a hundred thousand dollars a month shooting videos on their fucking phone yeah. and putting it on a private Snapchat. What the fuck? Like it's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. It's wild. So if you're somebody who, you know, and of course, not everybody can be super successful. Not everybody can make a hundred thousand dollars. A month you have to have something special you have to have a personality that people are drawn to you have to be sexy you have to be professional you have to hustle like it's not you know you can't just like you have to work for it but if you really want to do it and it's something that you enjoy like you can make a lot of money right now and you can make it on your own you don't have to shoot for other people you don't have to shoot for other companies you can do whatever you want so it is a different world out there i don't know how long this is gonna last like i said it's like everything goes up and down yeah and especially with those platforms it's like you know they're constantly instagram is you know changing their algorithm to cut things out that it makes it harder for i mean snapchat i thought there i I thought recently there was like discussion around snapchat trying to 
get rid of oh they are yeah like yeah they'll shut your account down and they just start another trying. one yeah yeah no yeah. girls are like constantly like start, but the, but, uh, the money's only, just too good yeah well, i mean only fans is it has uh, that seems uh, very new within you know like it, 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 the, the, the way years, it's been blowing yeah. up like in the last couple of years and uh what a, like what a platform you know yeah. like that's i feel like that's the the platform that people who are who are on that side of things has been waiting for because it's specifically made for that you know yeah yeah what what are some things about the um and maybe this is too broad of a question or or, or maybe it'll it'll be challenging to to answer but like for people who aren't uh in the industry um and and only have that sort of like outsider's perspective um what are some things that might surprise like the plebs who don't know uh, what it's like to be in the porn industry, things that exist within the industry that, that might kind of like shock someone or, or surprise someone. I would say, um, well, first of all, like the characters in the industry. I mean, I think one thing that I hear so often from people who come from mainstream when they like come on a porn set or they meet people in the industry, they're like, wow, I wasn't expecting these people to be like this. Like they're really friendly and nice and professional. I think the professionalism really surprises people uh, because, you know, and look, like if you are going just by what you see in like mainstream documentaries or something like that i was actually talking to a friend this morning about the first hot girls wanted um that Mm -hmm. was on netflix not the second part because the second part i was in and that was amazing (laughs) um but the first one because the thing is is like if you want to find the story where you've got like victimized girls who are being sent to horribly abusive porn sets and they're being like run by a shady agent like you can find that story you can always find that story i mean pretty much in any industry but you can also find the story where girls are really like seeing this as a viable career where they go to really professional sets where you know everybody is like on a schedule like we have you know um like a stylist and we talk a lot about boundaries and consent. That's been a big thing that has been talked about a lot in the industry today. And I think people might be surprised by how much more we talk about like boundaries and consent on adult sets and a lot of other mainstream sets, because I think like sex is what we do. So we're not scared to talk about it. We're not afraid to broach those subjects. So one of the things that I make sure that happens before I shoot a scene is that the performers talk to each other about their do's and their don'ts, what they like, what they don't like. The girl understands that she can call cut whenever she feels like it. If she needs to take a break, like there's no pressure. Um, so I think that people would just be surprised by how professionally run it is by how much we, we care about the people that we shoot and that we, you know, have a lot of fun that we laugh a lot and, you know, we, we generally really enjoy each other's company. It's like one little, it's a small community. So it's like a little like yeah, family. Yeah. Yeah. And we really, we, we care about each other. And again, not every set is like that. Of course, like I said, you can always find, you know, the sets that will, you know, if you're looking for confirmation bias and you think the porn industry is a horrible place, you can always find those sets that yeah. will, that will, you know. Bum you out. Yeah, exactly. But I think for the most part, most of us and, and the bigger companies that, you know, are really producing the most amount of content, um, you know, we do our best to really provide like a wonderful experience for everybody involved. As a small community, do you mean like 
uh, outside California as well? Like a small community, is it a small community in the US or a small community in general, like globally? I would say, I mean, now with like social media, the way that social media is connected to everybody, I would say globally, you know, like a lot of, and there are like little niches in the community. Like there's the cam girls community Mm. and there's us like the production community. And obviously like people in California who work together a lot, we know each other a lot better um, than, you know, people who maybe fly in from Canada every once in a while to shoot. Um, the European market is completely separate. So, um, yeah, there's definitely like communities within community. So like at the <laughs> AVN awards, would it, is that global or is that mostly just the U S it's mostly just U S I mean, definitely people do fly in. There are like, you know, best international, um, performer, um, mm. best international like movies. So we, there are those categories, but, you know, generally, it's mostly people from, from the U.S. What is, um, uh, so I'm a, I'm a pretty regular consumer of porn. Um, and and I'm, I'm guessing, like most industries, uh, especially entertainment industries, there's like sort of uh, trends that kind of come and go and things that are really hot for a while and then kind of peter out and other things that come in. Um, what's like, what's really in right now in porn? And the reason I ask this is because I've noticed, I've noticed recently. And when I say recently, I mean like in the last year or so, um, if I'm at home, like I'm going to pop on over to Pornhub, see what's going on. Uh, there's like a very high amount of like the, the sort of like stepsister, the stepbrother, mommy type stuff. And, and I, and I'm in my head, I'm going, Okay, I, I understand that algorithms are a thing, um, but I'm not searching for this. Clearly, somebody is. And so I'll sit down in a group of like 10 or 15 people and I'll just kind of like slide in the question, hey, who here's, who's here who's like watching a lot of the, the like mommy, sister, brother porn? And no one raises their hand and I'm going, you motherfuckers. Are lo-. Someone's, it's a numbers game. Someone has to be searching for it. So like, is that what, what is hot in the, in the industry right now? Like what is, what are the trends? I mean, you just nailed it. (laughs) It's so funny because I cannot tell you on my, on my podcast, we constantly like talk about how we are so sick of the FOSAS stuff. Yeah. And we just really want to shoot scenes where people are just hot and they're having sex with each other and they're not fucking like, you know, related to each other in some, you know, way of marriage i mean we're all we're all so sick of that shit i'm sick of it but it's what sells i mean ultimately porn is uh you know it's about capitalism Mm -hmm. and that's what's selling so that's what's people so that's what it is it is click base it's like it's not just my fucking my shit nope it's crazy i and i you know it's funny i like i think about that and i wonder like what is driving this i mean i know that divorce is really high a lot of people come from blended families so maybe that's that's where it's coming from but yeah i mean it's definitely Something that is asked for a lot and we're all really sick of shooting it. So if people listening out there, if you could just start like searching for other shit, like aliens, I don't know, something else, please. Cause we're so sick of it. We don't want to shoot anymore. Stepmom, stepbrother, stepdad porn. So please give us something else to work Who with. Who are Thanks. the writers? Like, are there, 
are are there porn writers that are like who's writing the good shit so it depends on the company so i work for twisties and they have an entire staff of writers and that's all they do is they write porn scripts so they send me scripts and very specific things that they want me to shoot and i go like letter by letter what they want um wicked makes me has me write my own scripts so i write my own scripts and i they obviously approve it and then i direct those um other a lot of companies are now having performers write their own scripts and direct there's a big movement of performers starting to get behind the camera now so um Caden Cross, who was one of the girls that I mentioned, she started off as a porn star for many years. She was contracted with Adam and Eve. She was contracted with Vivid. And now she is writing and directing some of the best porn out there. Um, so, yeah, it just depends on, on the company. But there's a lot more um, female performers writing these scripts now, which is pretty cool. That's so wild to me. And, like, my 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 uh, experience of filmmaking is just, like, it's such a slog First of all, to have something written, to assemble a team that's like, yeah, we'll make your project. And then to apply for the money to like, please fund our project. Look at all these people we have involved rather than having someone be like, I'll give you this money if you write, write something and shoot it. And, and feeling sounds like a really a much um, nicer way to be an artist. Well, I will point out though the fact the huge difference is is that our crews are way smaller and we work for mm. a lot less money and we do a lot of stuff ourselves. So like I am the location scout, the line producer, the executive producer, uh, the script writer, the director, the photographer, the stylist, the PA, the like like I do everything. So my my crews are generally like like a big crew for me would be like eight people. Like if I get a sound guy, I'm like so excited. So, you know, we generally don't ha- we do it for a much lower budget because our crews are tiny and everybody wears a lot of hats. What's an entry level position? Fluffer. PA. Fluffer is a myth. They don't exist. I was going to ask. Fluffers don't exist? They don't exist. Where did that come from? Where I have that- no idea. I am sh- I am shocked. It is it is and upset. The, yeah, it is a myth, and it is the. That's fe- what I was going to do. If podcasting it generally, failed, it is generally the female model's job to keep the guy. Wow, going. Um, but these days with uh, Viagra and being able to access porn on your phone, those are. Is is Viagra a big thing in the industry? Like, oh like, my god, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's guys who are getting um robotic uh, penile injections. No, get the uh, fuck out of here. Implants. Sorry. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, I mean, not to like talk out of school, but like anyone, uh, is that something like, like, could I have potentially seen that and not known it? Yes. Whoa. There's like a button in the balls that you put. I actually honestly just, I kind of knew that a couple guys had it who'd like had, you know, had their dicks broken. Um, But I didn't realize that a lot of guys are doing it now to keep their edge, so to speak. Because sometimes when you take a lot of Viagra or do a lot of caver, inject a lot of Caverjack, it fucks with your penis. What's Caverjack? It's this like thing that you inject into your dick to make it like ridiculously hard. Right, 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 yeah. right. Caverjack. Okay, I'm gonna take notes. So, um, <laughs> but it can it can ruin yeah. your penis. Yeah, right. And so then these people have to get these implants. You get a robot and, dick. And um, actually, my recent episode with Lena Paul. Um, that I did, we talk extensively about this. Oh, sorry, episode on the show. Mm-hmm. I I I like her. 
Yeah, she's she, amazing. She's great. She's great. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm blown away that fluffers aren't a fucking thing. They Holy smokes. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, so this is kind of a silly question, but uh, we have a running joke about um, catering orgies. Um, like what... Like, what is an appropriate food to have on set? What would craft services serve? Um, you know, it's so funny. I'm glad that you asked that question because, so actually, honestly, a lot from what I hear, a lot of sets don't provide food, which is crazy to me because if you're going to keep people on set for like 10 hours, you need to feed them. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So I general, I usually don't have the budget for like a big catering thing. Like if I have a big gig, then I might, um, have my assistant go pick up like catering from some Mediterranean place or whatever, you know, where people can eat. But, um, usually honestly what I do is I go to Trader Joe's, I get a bunch of individually wrapped salads and wraps. And in terms of snacks, I get those little like individually, um, wrapped like, um, Ritz crackers, uh, almonds, all that kind of, and those little snack packs, because the last thing you want is like a bowl of almonds and somebody with their dick hands going in there and like taking a big handful. And then you've got like dick in your almonds. I mean, you don't want that with, uh, with grips on a, on a non-pornographic set. You don't want their filthy hands. That's true. Yeah. Sometimes gri- actually often I, one of my grips who's amazing, he's the best, but he has the most horrible hygiene. <laughs> he doesn't wash his hands when he comes out of the bathroom and it's kind of like a running joke on set. So yeah, you don't want, thank God he actually hates healthy food. A lot of my food's very healthy. So he normally won't eat what won't I provide. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we do like individually wrapped little things so that everybody can have their own. It, uh, and, you know, you, so again, we, we've said you've been in the industry for quite a while and you've done quite a bit. Um, is there anything that you, that you haven't done that, that you like any, any one project or one idea that you kind of have in the back burner where you're just like, you're really hoping to one day achieve? Yes, but it's not exactly porn. Um, I'd love to do a documentary on my mom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, she it has an incredibly fascinating story. I've only told you like a portion of it. And um, she's also kind of a difficult woman. So trying, so for an outside entity to come in and try it, like so many people have approached us and like tried to like write a movie about her, do a documentary on her or something like that. But she's like, she's temperamental and she, she has an artist temperament and she can be difficult. So like, I have to manage her. Like I can get things out of her. Um, do you think she would want you to do it? Absolutely. Yeah. She would want me to do. It's funny because the way that my mom treats her family versus like other people is like drastically different. Um, my mom can be really aggressive um, and sometimes unkind to to other people, um, but she like loves her family and like we can do no wrong. So I know that I could get pull things out of her that other people couldn't. And I just think she has an amazing story. And I think especially now in the time, you know, where like women are rising to the top, like her story of, 
you know, working in the sex industry when it was dominated by men and when everybody was telling her, you know, to go home, like you're a woman, you don't know what you're doing is so relevant. So that's like my, my ultimate dream. And at the beginning of the internet. Yeah, exactly. And before that, you know, I mean, she's been working in the adult industry since the mid seventies. Yeah. I feel that I personally feel a sense of urgency about this project. Yeah. So I feel like, I feel like you got to get on that kind of to piggyback on Jeremy's question is there, do you ever contemplate like, eh, maybe I'll change careers or, you know, try something completely different? No, no, no. I mean, the closest thing I've come to that is starting my <laughs> own podcast. That's like a whole different, um, you know, I mean, it's obviously still about the adult industry, but it's, it's utilizing a different part I don't want to say skill set, but you know what I mean? Like everything that I know as a director and a photographer, like doesn't matter when you're hosting a podcast. Mm So um, that's the only thing that that's gone off on a different trajectory that I didn't expect. But I, you know, I really like the adult industry. I grew up in it. I love the people that I, that I work with. I'm very comfortable in it. Um, I have a lot of agency over my career. I I just don't know what else I would do. Mm. And not to mention the fact, even if I wanted to, there's so much stigma surrounding the adult industry. If I tried to go off and do something else, I'd probably yeah, get a lot right. of doors shut in my yeah. face. Well, th- this has been... Uh, I'm I'm so glad that we were able to to get some time to sit down with you and, and kind of peer into that side of the industry because uh, I I think that I think that there's a lot of uh, a lot of elements and parts to it that people fail to see and and people don't understand and um i think opportunities like this i mean podcasting is like you just said like it's podcasting is so fucking fantastic because it's not these little sound bites or at least it doesn't have to be it can be these long juicy conversations where you can really unravel and un, and unwind and, and dive into a lot of uh, meaningful stuff and um i think i speak for both of us and our audience when i say that this has been this has been really really fantastic i'm so glad we had a chance to shoot the shit with you thank you yeah um how can people find you find your work um uh where can where can people find your stuff so i'm on instagram and twitter just at holly randall um r-a-n-d-a-l-l there's no e in randall people always try to put an e in my randall randall um my podcast is holly randall unfiltered you can go to holly randall or just search on any podcast platform it's on all of them and my main membership website is hollyrandall.com so those are kind of like the main places to find me sweet well again thank you so much for uh for hanging out with us for a bit thank you guys for having me and thank all of you for tuning in uh we hope you enjoyed it and as always we will be back next week with another uh fantastic and eye-opening conversation but in the meantime uh why don't you head over to apple podcasts and leave a rating and a review and hit the subscribe button um you know it's one of those things you can do to support us to keep us up on the itunes charts especially in canada where we're doing great if you live in the u.s fuck yeah do it you know it'd be great to uh great to have a little bit more of a footprint down here and uh if you want to support us in other ways a huge a huge way you can do that is go to patreon.com slash turn me on. Uh, this trip would not be possible if it wasn't for our patrons. So uh, thank you all so much for your support there. And if you've been thinking about it, just fucking do it. Uh, commit. 
Also, if you've been thinking about putting your bum on the internet, uh, but you don't want to do it on your private account or your personal account, you can send it to us uh, on Instagram at Podcast or by email, TurnMeOnPodcast at gmail.com. We've got our own little kind of porn industry going, don't we, on our Instagram? As much as Instagram will allow. <laughs> Put some underwear, even a thong on the butt, and uh, we'll have less of a chance of losing it to the the. the curators of the internet um you can also reach out to us on our website termianpodcast.com if you want to be a guest on the show or if you'd like us to take a stab at your relationship issues um i think that's all for this week until next week go fuck yourself Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.